Welcome to the J5 Encounter Podcast, where we explore matters of faith through aspects of sports. My name is Thomas Smith, and I'm happy that you're listening this day. A great friend of mine was cleaning out his office and came across a photo of when we were YBA teammates on an all-star team years ago. After sending it to me, I questioned him on the particulars of the picture because I did not remember the team or any games we played. Catching up on old times was cool, but I fixated on the face of the 12-year-old me and recognized a particular countenance. I seen that smile on others. I saw a picture of Jackie Robinson walking with his younger son during the march on Washington in 1964. Jackie's not looking at the cameraman, perhaps talking, but young David is looking right at the camera with that smile. Recently, I was watching a program on the legacy of the great NFL quarterback Steve McNair. Throughout the program, we see multiple shots of his son, Tyler McNair, with his dad. In many of these shots, Tyler wears that smile, which reminded me of the young Robinson, then really jumped out at me when looking at my picture, seeing my smile. I contemplate that smile in each of these pictures to denote the expression of self-worth and value indubitably resulting from being loved. truly thankful to my parents who cultivated that in me. Perhaps David Robinson, who runs a socially conscious coffee co-op in Tanzania, and Tyler McNair, who, while being a blue-chip basketball player, decided to rather pursue his dream of being a dancer, feel similar. We find that this is one of the first things addressed by God the Father toward his human creation, and this theme runs throughout the 66 books and 35 or so authors of the Bible. Genesis chapter 1:27 states, So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. This means that all men, all women, bear the image of God. The Imago Dei. What a complicated concept. But that the source of ultimate worth and glory leaves in all of us a mark where we can know that we possess value, purpose, and meaning. Psalms 139, 13-14 states, For you formed my inward parts, you knitted me together in my mother's womb. I praise you, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful are your works, my soul knows it very well. This is important because an understanding of self-value or worth is a tool toward confidence and cooperation with others, not to mention the ability to approach and be in relationship with God Almighty. Please pray with me. Father, we're thankful for this time you are holy and righteous and and good and we thank you for that lord and we just thank you for the whole concept of the imago day 
your image in us or us bearing the image of God, Lord. What a glorious concept. And we explore that today. We give you honor and glory and praise in Jesus' name. Amen. Indeed, value instilled, even irrespective of the pretense, is powerful. All the more when you know that there is eternal death to that value. This is not to be confused with entitlement or a comparative view of others or absolute apathy in capturing the concept of human origins and the meaning of life within a personal worldview. Indeed, it should be debated that value imparted by privilege or by comparison is empty and, dare I say, dangerous. I watched a story about a Little League tournament game held in segregated Florida in 1955, which was the first time a team of white players from Orlando took the field against a team of black players from Pensacola, perhaps even in the entire South. The producer reunited the participants from that day to relive the event and the culminating reunion 60 years later of both teams allowed for a heartfelt message of unity, which was the intended takeaway of the story. But throughout the story, the participants were interviewed and spoke on what it was like when they were 12 years old and playing baseball. One of the white players repeatedly mentioned that he was glad he was raised during those times and wouldn't change a thing. They didn't show any pictures of him as a child with a smile, but I did sense unconditional value, the type that comes from a relatively carefree existence where value and dignity may not even be important to break down and specifically grasp for your life. Nevertheless, listening to him and others who may even have claimed to be Christians, to me, the value derived made it easy for these individuals to not even consider the conditions and institution that relegated a group of people to second-class status. Surely, you can imagine the reminiscent story from the black players from segregated Pensacola was totally different, and each experienced incidents and circumstances, or should I say, an institution of injustice producing internal anger and stress. What's the mechanism to deal with this? I can't speak to the faith of the team of black players, but during an interview, one of the white players recognized that the Pensacola team recited the Lord's Prayer prior to the game. Don't get me wrong, even a secular sense of personal value can make us good citizens, or as the phrase goes, a good person. But the unconditional value imparted to humans by the Lord also addresses a core fundamental principle of human origin and purpose. How do we know? Well, that's another discussion, but clearly, according to the system of Christian faith, God loves and gives us value. Are we the product of chance? No. But if we are, what really matters? Are we unconditionally loved? Yes. But, but if not, what is love anyway? Is there more to life than what we can see? Yes. Otherwise, really, what reason is there to persevere within deplorable conditions? 
Where does justice come from anyway, if all can't see it or feel the same about it? Or if it only applies to certain people? But value, by definition, is a comparative thing, right? Probably. But when the standard of value is temporal, like skin color or a part of a tribe or race or wealth or the like, it may only stand the test of normal circumstance. And it is just that, temporal. We need a perspective, a fundamental value that supersedes circumstances and is established as a rock constituting our wherewithal. Truth not determined by this world, but that which transcends it. Jesus is quoted in Luke 12, 6. Are not five sparrows sold for two pennies? And not one of them is forgotten before God. Why, even the hairs of your head are all numbered. Fear not, you are of more value than many sparrows. And the Apostle Paul in Romans 5, 8 states, but God shows his love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. And Ephesians 2, uh, verse 4 through 6 states, But God, being rich in mercy because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved and raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Now, value and dignity sets the context for the paradigm of sin against God and that against others. Lack of perceived value causes problems. We are selfish and we sin even possessing value, but it allows us when we transgress to halt and make amends to possibly agree to the fault because our value is equal to that of another's, as it is inalienable and given to all. We have the capacity to confess that we are wrong when we violate the expectation of he who gives us value or when we minimize the value of others. Without acknowledging transcendent value in people, our standard of justice and human appropriateness will waver and ride the wave of majority sentiment, which may be influenced by contemporary circumstances. But as inalienable, one of my favorite words, meaning unable to take away or given away by the possessor, has nothing to do with contemporary circumstances and stands the test of time. Then, the preamble of our Constitution as Americans adds endowed by our creator into the mix when speaking of rights. Surely, chattel slavery made living for a lot of people nice, but transcendent human value and the imago Dei is what fundamentally determined chattel slavery to be evil and its inalienable property realized in men of all designations allowed them to identify that atrocity and prevail in the fight for abolition. I'm not sure that life without this truth can sincerely produce a life of ethereal meaning as purpose and origin would be contrived or ignored based on the tangible, perhaps founded on what is true, but not on what is essentially truth. I can't say that doesn't work for people, though. It does. But there is a reason why the saying goes that there are no atheists in a foxhole. I just don't think that you only build a skyscraper that can withstand a sunny day. 
but one that can withstand a force exceeding the worst anyone can imagine, starting with a firm, solid foundation. How will you stand in the evil day based on your preparation and worldview? What do you stand on? And certainly, if you stand on Christ, you must recognize the Imago Day in us all. God bless you for perpetuating that truth. The smile in those pictures reminds of the value and dignity that my parents instilled in me. A picture of the value that Almighty God placed on me. May this concept command our thoughts and actions in this world. Until next time, be blessed by Zephaniah 3.17. The Lord your God is in your midst, a mighty one who will save. He will rejoice over you with gladness. He will quiet you by his love. He will exult over you with loud singing.